This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy, the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and uh, what are you wearing? You know, while I'm usually the fashion influencer around here, today we welcome a woman sharing fashion tips that won't blow your fall budget, and she'll be sharing her personal story of becoming the Hollywood stylist for the stars, Jen Principe. In our headlines, layoffs announced recently at many companies, including one of our favorites. What should you do if you're asked to pay a visit to HR? We'll share. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Joe. No, not that Joe. But this Joe is trying to figure out how to downsize to just one big truck. And then I'll sashay my trivia down our catwalk between this table and the hot water heater over there. And now, two guys who aim to fashion you into a millionaire, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey, stackers, and a happy Wednesday to you. Kick your feet up, maybe grab a cup of coffee, because you are in for a great hour of edutainment. By the way, I said edutainment because I can't stand that word. People are like, ooh, it's edutainment. No, no. Oh, nice. It is is not. Wait a minute. No, please. Like Magic School Bus, Veggie Tales, that's all definitely edutainment. If they don't have entertainment value, I've, how many times have you seen just crappy shows just pushing themselves off as edutainment? Just no, 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 I no. Don't watch See, the it's a hybrid. Shows, so no, no n- n- not going to do that. We got a great show today. Uh, we are definitely just entertaining today. And with a side helping of, we're going to help you with your fall wardrobe. It's going to be great. Jen Principe, who is a celebrity fashion stylist. Duh, that's why she's here, Mom's Basement with us. Because we're celebrities. Yeah, duh, in a little bit. Maybe help us clean up a little bit. Uh, she also has a phenomenal memoir about her story. And if you think, by the way, 
that somebody who works with the stars and herself is a star that's been seen all over television. Uh, you know what? She had a she had a tough life growing up that I think I think for a lot of people be inspirational. If your life is not quote perfect, you too can still do what you want to do. But before that, Doug, as you mentioned, we've got a sad uh, situation going on in America. Lots of layoffs. So let's get the party started. The party. I just the layoffs. So let's, get, let's do it. Was, wow. I just got to take that back. Can we back that truck up? Yes. Uh, before we talk about the sad state of layoffs. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Now we can get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, I know, OG, that we have talked about this company a lot on this show, but still, it is never a good day when you see people losing their jobs. Uh, Robinhood, a company we have not been much of a fan of, uh, sadly, though, laying off 23% of its workforce and the CEO admitted, uh, this is on me, which uh, I think everybody likes to see when a CEO goes, you know what? Uh, I, I've made my billions. I made- this is on me, guys. My bad. Yeah. My bad. My bad. I, uh, yeah. I overshot the landing on that one. <laughs> but what is, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, and 23% is a big number, but my sense is, is that companies like Robinhood don't need a giant staff to run that company. So is that 23% like 80 people or 60 people or something? Do we know? No, I don't see it anywhere in this piece. That's okay. But I mean, a lot of, I'll say, dot-com companies, you know, all internet-based companies, they don't have the massive workforce that you think. For as big as their brand names get sometimes, they sure. they don't have huge workforces. That's kind of beside the point, so. Yeah. OG and I have thought at some point here, we need to announce a 33% layoff on this show. What the f- Joe? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> 
There he goes. He got it. He got it. <laughs> the, the, the wheel spun. The math kicked in. I mean, yeah, I had to get my calculator out, but <laughs> back to this piece. Chief Executive Vlad Tedoff publicly announced the layoffs uh, last Tuesday in a blog post, acknowledging that his prior plan to let go at nine percent of the Robin Hood hood, as MarketWatch hilariously phrased it, <laughs> while engaging in quote greater cost discipline, announced in April quote did not go far enough. He said since that time. We've seen additional deterioration of the macro environment with inflation at 40-year highs, accompanied by a broad crypto market crash, Tanoff said. This has further reduced customer trading activity and assets under custody. It seems, OG, I want to start here, not with the layoffs. We definitely want to get to that. But the first thing is Robinhood announcing trading activity down a lot. It seems like when easy money is already being made by not trading, that's when people seem to trade a lot. And then the market goes down and the money gets difficult and you're losing money. All of a sudden the traders dry up. And that's how they make their money. So it's like, if that's happening, there's not as much revenue or as we like to call it thievery from people's pockets. Yeah. You know, which is probably a good thing for, for most investors, frankly, (laughs) should have the inverse Robin hood trading investment plan. Like when, Trading at Robinhood is really low. You should be buying a lot of stocks. When trading is really high, you should be selling a lot of stocks. It is strange how that works when the money's already flowing in with an up market, like we ruin it by trading a ton. And generally, most traders get their butt kicked by the market. So why you play that game is beyond me. But it certainly felt like a casino there for a while. And obviously, Robinhood got in trouble before making it seem even more like a casino. But still, people... People losing their jobs, OG, not a not not a good thing ever to see with with any company. I see on here they're talking about Coinbase also let some people go. Similar reasons, obviously, with Coinbase. But Shopify, and this one was a big wow, which was Shopify saw a big surge in activity of right. more and more people that were creating their online businesses because of COVID, right? I'm at home. Might as well create this this side hustle, this side business. Now they're seeing that abate some, and so Shopify's let some people go. I think I saw the quote from their HR people or CEO or whatever that said, said, we bet heavily on the fact, I'm paraphrasing, we bet heavily on the fact that people weren't going to go back to the stores ever again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, I've heard that story before. What was that, you know, okay, pets.com. we got a pile of chips in front of us, and we're putting it all on Black 17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the win. And not that the river's not headed that way. I mean, clearly, guys, the river is headed that way, right? That, that we're going into stores less and less. No, for sure, but not zero. But yeah, you know? and not tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to take us a while to get there. Sad to see it. Somebody loses their job, OG, and they come see you. Well, I got this piece from uh, CNBC's Make It, and I thought that we'd go over some of these, but I thought you could probably uh, fill in some of this stuff. But the first thing I love, and this is why I picked this piece, we'll have it in the show notes at stackybedjamins.com. But number one, and this surprised me in a good way, they say do nothing. The first thing to do when you get laid off is do nothing. I thought that's great advice. Yeah, I, I think, would agree I, with that. I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of times it's like that I got to, it's just like the investing piece we're talking about. I got to do something. It's like, well, just, just take a breath. Just breathe. <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got a day. You don't have to do something today, maybe tomorrow, just but, but today sit is in a okay. dark room with a case of beer. <laughs> <and> just, 
and just do nothing. Why me, Lord? Yes. Why me again? <laughs> Might not be what they were referring to. No, definitely don't. That do is that. the best advice I've ever. And if received. you feel like doing that, don't. Definitely don't do that. Go talk to somebody about that you want to do that. Then, then you should do something. You should go talk to somebody and uh, be like, I feel like sitting in a dark room with a case of beer. Like, oh, come over here, let's chat. When they dove into this, they said there's going to be quite a bit of legal information that will be handed to you. So it's important to focus on understanding what's being offered and support packages. Understand your severance and career continuation. She adds that although being laid off is tough, it's important that you don't overreact and that you contain your emotions. I mean, how many times, I think, Doug, you told us a story one time about a guy that just, you had to let go and it was, it was a nightmare. His emotions were so far out of control. Yeah. Yeah, it got physically violent. It was, I've actually had that sort of thing happen a couple of times. But I just uh, wonder, is that them or is it you? Is it the way I'm delivering the news? <laughs> the message or the messenger? Every time I fire somebody, they beat me up. I can't you know, figure out why. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, yeah, everybody reacts differently. The other thing I'll say is, because I'm thinking of a time when uh, I got laid off because we got acquired by a different company and they already had their own IT group that and they didn't anyway. So... Uh, HR will sit with you and they will pour so much information on you. You can't consume any of that. Like you can't absorb it and understand it and remember it. So you're going to get a phone number in most cases, make sure you call back and cause you will have forgotten a lot of benefits and or options you might have been afforded. Yeah, They don't telegraph the fact that you're about to get let go. They, they don't go like, well, maybe tomorrow will be you. So you can kind of think about it, get your ducks in a row. They're just like, hey, uh, before you head to lunch, why don't you come this way real quick? Well, I'll talk to you. Yeah, that happens more often than not. And they start going through, here's all the things you have access to. You have this, but your head is just spinning. You don't think it is, but it. trust me, your head is spinning when that happens. And, uh, and, and you're not absorbing and rem- remembering and retaining all of the things they're telling you. So make sure that you reach back out to probably either the resources that they're giving you or the HR professional that was probably in the room when they let you go, probably in the next you know two days afterwards. Let's get back and find out what you might've missed when you were stunned. Yes. Which is another reason to do nothing. By the way, you were talking earlier, OG, about they don't telegraph that you're being downsized, but sometimes you can kind of see the writing on the wall as is evidenced by this, uh, this audio clip that we, that we found. I said, I, I don't care if they lay me off either, because I told, I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time, then, then I'm, then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And, and I told Dom too, because they've moved my desk four times already this year. And I used to be over by the window and I could see the squirrels and they were married. But then they switched from the swing line to the Boston stapler. But I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't. How, 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 so good. How do you how do you get to play that part? By the way, I want to have gotten to play that part. Just being yeah. being that guy from the movie Office Space. There, by the way, my stapler. And that's the vibe you generally give off, anyways, Joe. So I think you would have <laughs> done great. really well that's in that. <laughs> I got my I got my you moved my stapler impression down. I can see the squirrels. <laughs> Number two on this list from CNBC is ask for recommendations. Most companies don't use written recommendations any longer. Uh, so specifically ask your current colleagues and manager for a LinkedIn recommendation. Let them know the specific skill sets you'd like them to speak out about and which skills you want to highlight for your next job. That's a great thing, I think, too. And then third, tap into your network. 
Although online networking is becoming popular, uh, face-to-face networking still reigns supreme. However, LinkedIn, great for making that first connection. So when using LinkedIn, one expert that they reference here, Elaine Varalis, who is a managing partner career transition leadership development firm, Keystone Partners, says that you should look at a diverse group of people as well as employees with senior and junior level roles. And by the way, number four on this list, which is hugely important, and we've seen this go south for people, OG, clean up your social media page immediately, like clean it up. Because if you're asking people for recommendations, first place they're going to look is your online profile. And uh, if you've posted a bunch of incendiary stuff, time to delete all that. What about beer bongs? Are those, should I delete those? Well, it depends on if it's a beer bong company you're going to work for. Like if it's Anheuser-Busch, they might be like, this guy's on board. Like this subject matter expert. (laughs) He is clearly trying to work here. Five, develop a plan of action. And then six, practice answering one, one interview question, which is this. Why did you leave your previous job? <laughs> get, a, get a good answer down for why you left your previous job, because that will be the one they definitely ask. Uh, OG, when it comes to your personal finance, though, those are career pieces of advice from CNBC. Uh, your pieces of advice with your money, what do we do there? I think the first thing that you do, like we talked about, is kind of do nothing. But then you want to just take stock of like literally where you are. If you've done a good job and you've got uh, cash reserve that's two or three months or four months of emergency money, then plot out your plan for how are you going to go find work and what's your drop dead time in terms of when you have to start moving money from the long-term bucket to the short-term bucket. And you think about that, you know, four or five, six months ahead of time, rather than trying to, oh crap, the mortgage is due today. What stock am I going to sell type of thing? If you haven't built up your cash reserve yet, then I think it's a little bit more important to go find something or start working on what are you going to do for, you know, for cash kind of immediately, you know, and maybe that means you've got to, got to move some money from long-term bucket to short-term bucket pretty quickly. That's why we talk about so much that the first step that you have to do is you have to have that cash reserve because that gives you the flexibility when things don't go your way. And when things don't go your way, other things are also not going your way. You know, mm-hmm. when you get laid off, the stock market sucks. So you don't want to be forced to sell your stocks at the same time that you're getting laid off because generally speaking, those things are bad at the same time. Otherwise, you'd probably still have the job because everything's great. So you've got to build it the right way from the beginning. I'm reminded as you're talking, you know, you and I have had pushback online from people about having that emergency fund because they say, hey, I can go to credit. I can sell my stocks. Well, stock market's down now. And when you've lost your job, I don't want to eat up my credit line when I have no job. Like if I have no, if I have no way to get that money paid back every month, I mean, this is a dangerous time to use credit. Well, and, and again, if you think about it from the perspective of, you know, like what exactly makes your credit score the way it is, the highest component of your credit score is uh, utilization. So if you go from not having any debt to now having credit card debt, that's going to drop your credit score very quickly. And when it drops your credit score very quickly, other companies are going to notice that, hey, wait a second, uh, why is this credit score dropping so quickly? 
Uh, maybe we're not so interested in participating in whatever is going on over there that is causing him to go from no debt to now $10,000 on the credit card. Then that's going to increase your interest rate. It's going to change your credit line. We had a credit card that I'd use fairly infrequently, but still kind of every so often uh, with a pretty large limit. I don't know, maybe twenty dollars or $25,000 limit and uh, just unceremoniously canceled. And, you know, good credit score, don't have any debt. So it wasn't like I was a, all of a sudden a major risk factor, but it just happened just quite randomly out of the blue. If you're relying on that to be your cash reserve, uh-oh, major problem. Yeah, boy. Uh, we will link to these resources in our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. And of course, we're going to do a deeper dive into all of our favorite resources if you are laid off in our 201 newsletter, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Fantastic newsletter comes out twice a week. Unsubscribe if you uh, decide you don't want it. But man, it is it is fantastic. Just there's no no commitment. You don't have to attend any meetings, right? You don't gotta, <laughs> don't, none there's of no that. Oath. It just is a, it it is a phenomenal open rate. I think our open rate of our email newsletter is higher than any, anybody I've talked to in the personal finance space. We're very proud of it. Stackybedjamins.com slash 201. And we're going to dive deep on that. Speaking of diving deeper, one thing we don't talk a lot about on this show is fashion. But if you're somebody that goes to the office or you're networking, speaking of networking in person, the way you look does matter and looking like you take care of yourself proofs to other people that you're going to take care of them. And our next guest is all about that. She fashions herself as a soul stylist, S-O-U-L, believing that if you can change your look, that affects your soul. It affects the way people see you and the way that you see yourself. You saw her on the BBC Network's Inside Beverly Hills. She's styled in Focus, Ventura Boulevard, Sherwood Life Magazine. She also hosts on uh, KTLA TV Los Angeles segment, how to be your own personal stylist. Today, she's going to be our personal stylist while she also tells us the story of growing up in a family that, oh man, oh gee, this story is unbelievable. Jen Principe coming up next, but first, Doug, to get us there, let's, uh, let's do some trivia. How about that? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I know we're about to hear some fashion advice from Jen Principe, and I agree with her. Dressing better always improves your confidence. Not to steal our guest's thunder, but you know, against what all the haters say, I think it shows a certain bravado when you wear a fanny pack. And man, you can always tell who's a real influencer when they're brave enough to go with the Velcro shoes. Those are some solid tips, right? Sadly, no one around here has had the confidence to follow me just yet, but they'll get there. They'll get there. My biggest secret, personally, that you might want to borrow is my Insta Slim men's compression tank top. It's a slimming body shaper shirt with abdomen control. It's a challenge looking the Doug part here when you eat as many corn dogs as I do. Thank God they're spanks for men. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to be that fashionable either. There's always the thrift store. Speaking of thrift stores, Who was the only artist in the last 20 years to have a number one hit without being signed to a major label? I'll be back with the answer after I pop some tags. Well, 
Well, you know, when I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union lets you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation. The flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel so you can get rewarded for wherever you're headed next. You've heard me talk about this before. Don't play the reward game if you have an issue paying off your cards every month. Make sure you pay them off every month and then get three times the points. Why not? Plus, by the way, this premium travel card has a low annual fee of $49 and also two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, meaning the rewards don't have to end even when the vacation does. And speaking of rewards, you can get a Navy Federal Auto Loan when you need that new ride to get you to work and you can't afford to pay cash yet. Applying is easy. You can do it on their mobile app, online, or by phone, and it's so fast, you can get a decision in seconds. Navy Federal has great rates on auto loans, plus with their car buying service, powered by True Car, you can do some shopping and hopefully mitigate the huge cost. Uh, cars have gone up so much in cost, haven't they? You'll be able to shop, compare, and get upfront pricing on your next new or used car. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, open to the armed forces, the DOD veterans and their families. Flagship rates are variable and range between 10.74% and 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to 1% at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. Hey there, stackers. I'm nifty thrifter and thrifty gifter, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. According to buildthatbeat.com, this artist managed to be number one without the financial backing of a label and before the age of 30. <coughs> I hate you. <coughs> so who was the only artist in the last 20 years to have a number one hit without being signed to a major label? Macklemore, with help from Ryan Lewis. And now, let's say hello to fashion stylist for the stars, Jen Principe. And my new friend, Jen Principe, is here. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for reading my book. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And it's funny because in your introduction, you talk about how, and it's it, it's almost a little defensive. And I think it's because you come across as this open, relaxed fun person. And boy, after I read your book, Jen, there was, there was a lot going on early in your life that was really surprising. 
Yes, there really is. I've been given a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> and uh, I've been told all my life, Jen, you need to write a book. For years, I thought I was going to write a book about my upbringing, which obviously you read, it's very complex and a lot of trauma, etc. But you know, it just didn't feel right. And then when I got into my own career, and I started really diving deep into the, you know, probing the depths and examining the cracks down there, I definitely saw a common thread, which is the name of my book, of what I've been through these stories, along with my journey in fashion and the life lessons that I've learned along the way. So it really made sense at this stage in my life to write the book. And I think we all need to do that to some degree, right? I think diving in and making peace with what happened to us early on I think is so important. And, and oh man, I'm going to want you to tell a few stories from the beginning of the book. But before we do that, I just want to talk about your career because I'm wondering how does somebody become a stylist to the stars? Like, how does that even begin? Yeah, for me, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know, you know, other, other stylist journeys. And there's so many different facets of styling as well. But for me, it happened very organically. I have always had a passion for fashion ever since I was a little girl. I used fashion as a modality to hide. Um, I used it um, when I was a teenager to define. And then as an adult, I used it as a healing modality for myself and for others. So I've always had this eye for fashion. I've been given a gift. I do believe I was given this gift to share And so when I decided that I was going to launch after I had kids, because I was in the business world for a long time on Wall Street and doing something completely different, but always gravitated towards towards fashion. And so I ended up coming out, launching and saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And it happened very organic. It was just uh, word of mouth. I never had to advertise. And I think it's because I really love what I do. And I... I love making people feel confident and more self-assured. And um, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a celebrity, there's always a shift in transformation when I'm working with somebody. So, you know, I think when you love what you do and then you have an element of service to that, I think you've sort of found your purpose and passion. Boy, and it's funny. And you you do a great job of going through exactly how fashion can really change your state. As, as people say, can change your mood, can change everything for you. But it wasn't always the case for you. I was reading your early stories growing up. Can you tell me the story with your dad and with your grandmother? Because it's interesting. You opened the book with these stories about your grandmother. And I can just smell her house, Jen. Like your grandmother had the your grandmother had the best smelling house that I've ever read. Yes. It was a mixture of uh, fish and old books, which doesn't sound great, but um, (laughs) yeah. So it's funny. I wrote the book and then, you know, my brothers read the book and they were like, wow, Jen, it was like, you brought me right back to Bubby's house. You know, I come from trauma and um, spent the weekends with my grandmother. And although her house was very creepy and and weird, I felt very safe there because I didn't feel safe in the confines of my own homes. And my grandmother donated a lot of her time on the weekends to the Jewish Federation. And I would go there and I would rummage through clothes and I would play, I would escape. And I I knew intrinsically at a very young age, like a lot of children do in role play, that we take on this persona of what we fantasize about. And so I would do that all the time. And I love to just kind of rummage and think about, hey, who used to wear this, you know, which sort of led me into loving all things vintage. My father was supposed to be a 10th generation rabbi. My grandfather was the chief Orthodox rabbi of Los Angeles, which is, it's very, very, very high up. But my upbringing was, you know, I came from abuse and alcohol and really difficult. But uh, when I was 13, 14, 15, I went through a really hard time. I got kicked out of school many times. I went through depression. 
But my father had come to me and he said, you know, Jen, I was really in depression about my friendships. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to navigate them. I didn't have the tools. And he said to me, you know, Jen, you're not going to understand this today, but one day you will. Your friends are like clothes in your closet. And I just, I kind of looked at him like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, listen, when you get older, honey, you're going to have business clothes that you put on and they make you feel ready for the world. You're going to feel powerful and you're going to have sexy clothes that are going to make you feel like you've stepped into your femininity. And you're going to have classic clothes that it may take you decades or more. And you're going to have trendy clothes that serve a purpose, but they're going to come and they're going to go. And then you maybe will have one or two favorite sweatshirts in your life. You're lucky if you do. Those are the ones you put on. They make you feel like home. You could be most comfortable in. And, you know, I took it in, but it wasn't until I matured and I realized that our friends are like clothes in our closet. Some metaphorically don't look good on us. We try them out. You know, some are classics. They last decades. I have a few lifelong sweatshirts that I will forever, you know, hold on to. And so it was a profound analogy. You know, it didn't come until I wrote the book and it just seemed very apropos that that would be the first chapter. Well, very much. And I want to do what you did in the book because you go between these intensely personal stories and great fashion tips. And let's talk about that. You talk about the clothes in your closet. Right now we're getting ready for fall. What are some of those basic things that I should have in my closet and I should really be thinking about? Yeah, those are the classic pieces in your wardrobe for, and they're different for male and female. And I list the classics also. One of the interesting things about my book is I put a QR code in the book. I really felt like, you know, hiring a stylist is a luxury expense and most people can't afford that, but I really wanted to be able to help the masses. So the QR code, you scan it and it leads you to my website and I've done tutorials and I've linked below. These are the classics. These are the things you need to buy. But, you know, for a classic, it's it's going to be a leather jacket. It's going to be um, the right length blazer, uh, traditional button down loafers, etc. Statement pieces of jewelry, like this is a piece I always wear, a good pair of sunglasses, a good pair of eyeglasses, that's jewelry on the face, that's really important, that's the first thing people are going to notice about you. So I I sort of list the classics, but outerwear, good outerwear pieces, great trench coat, a good basic cashmere coat, things that are going to last you decades or more, things that you can wear 10 years into the future and still look like you're in style. Back when I was in television in Detroit, uh, I worked with a stylist at the beginning and it was amazing how some of these tips, Jen, that people like you and him, the stuff Ken could do with just a few pieces was incredible. And I'll give you an example, just having you talk about that blazer, just having a nice blazer and throwing it on over jeans and a t-shirt changes the jeans and a t-shirt from you don't care to you are purposefully dressing up, right? Correct. And add a little pocket square in there. Oh, yeah. Nice pair of glasses. Yeah, I always recommend for a man, a navy. A navy suit is a dark navy because you can break up the suit. You can wear the jacket with jeans or a button down, and then you can wear it as a suit. I always say navy before black. Black's a little formal. I mean, there's so much you can do with just a capsule wardrobe. Well, and I like the idea, too, that these are neutral colors. These are timeless colors. And then you add color to it depending on the season and the time. And you go over that once again in your tutorials. You also talk a lot about, and of course, this is a financial show. This doesn't have to cost a lot. You talked about vintage. Like, I feel like sometimes, Jen, you're you're teaching people to be the thrift store queen. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing um, Target lately and TJ Maxx. Because I do think you can find good staple basics at some of those. There are certain areas I would say do not scrimp on because you want them to hold up quality-wise. And those are outerwear and shoes and stuff like that. But, you know, all those trendy pieces, you really don't need to spend a fortune 
to make yourself look great. And and it's a mindset too, you know. There've been so much studies done on the psychology behind colors and what that does mm. to our mindset and our shifting our mood. Just think about it as far as it being a gray day outside. When it's gray outside, our, our mood gets a little drab and we get a little down. And then when the sun pops out, it's like all of a sudden it's, you know, it's energy. So um, there's some really great stories about color and the psychology behind color. So I'm a big proponent of adding color into your wardrobe, even if it's just a small amount. I also love the way color makes other people feel around you. There's, you know, lady in red. You know, they've done studies on women, women wearing red and how men are more attracted to women wearing red. And they've done lots of studies. And Krista Berg wrote a song, Lady in Red. That popular old song that you'd hear at every wedding reception for like 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. So color really can enhance our mood. And I experienced that during COVID. You know, I got into a wardrobe rut and I would sit around in my workout clothes. And once a week, I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. I got to get up and out and I would get dressed. And what was amazing was not just how I felt, because I was, you know, lifted, I I felt my mood lift, but it was how others were responding to me, you know, people that normally in the in the grocery store aren't very loquacious and don't say much were all of a sudden like, oh, it's so nice to see somebody dressed up in color, you know? Yeah, you know, my book is like, very colorful, right? Right, very colorful. And I do love the idea, you know, you go to this outing with a few friends, and just by dressing up a little bit more colorful, If you're meeting people for coffee, you're meeting people for lunch, you can change, to your point, you change the mood of the entire meeting. If you're going to an interview, I mean, it can change your career. It can really, it can really bring friendships together. I want to quote you because I want to talk about you transforming. And it starts off with this. Uh, This is, this is a quote from you. You write, however, true transformation can't happen simply by changing your outfit alone That requires deeper inner work. Clothes and fashion are just tools to help you improve your state of mind. But there's a fine line between allowing clothes to work with and for us and allowing clothes to define us. And I wanted to start there because when you were young, clothing did define you to the point that you were stealing clothes. I mean, I wasn't clear from the book if that was more, my life stinks so bad and I need some attention. Or if it was clothing is going to define me and make my life better enough that I'm going to shoplift. What was it? Why did you find yourself stealing clothes? I think the latter, probably the latter. I really didn't feel like I fit anywhere. I probably was calling out for attention as well because my upbringing was really complex and complicated and traumatic. But, you know, as I was rebelling and I, I, I couldn't quite fit in, I felt a little bit like a chameleon, you know, trying to fit in wherever I was bounced around to because I got kicked out of school four times. You know, we didn't have the financial means for me to dress in labels. And, you know, even today, this is so sad. It's like social media is just a constant depiction of labels and finer things. And and when you're a child and you're going through depression and, you know, you're being physically abused and you're in that environment and you feel like the only way you're going to fit in is to have those cool clothes because I didn't feel like I had anything else. I was willing to do anything to do that. And so, yeah, so I stole and I thought that having the right labels would make me popular, which I'm sure kids go through today too. They just come from probably better family circumstances and know better than to do that. Um, But, you know, even so without the stealing, I am really careful even today, you know, I'm surrounded by the most coveted things in the world from cars because my husband's in, in the luxury car storage space. So I'm surrounded by the most beautiful, you know, cars to fashion, to jewelry, to bags and you can really get sucked in. I do all the time where I have to really check myself and say, you know, what is this? Does this really bring real value to my life? Now, 
yes, clothes can make you happy and they can transform your mood. And and I think it's important that we care about what we wear. But there is a real fine line about allowing clothes to define us and making us feel superior because we can afford or we have nice things. Because that's not really important. Boy, and you definitely define that. Just to give people an idea of, Jen, of your upbringing, your mom uh, had to leave because your dad was having an affair with the housekeeper who then became his mistress. And whenever you went to your grandmother's house, you had to lie about about that relationship, which I can't imagine being your age at the time and having to live this lie half the time. And then your dad's having an affair behind her back with somebody else who's also living there. But what's sad is that leads to a bunch of stealing, uh, not just you, then they're stealing from you. But this all ends in a story about a monk that I think is incredibly, (laughs) incredibly, well, it's incredibly important, I think, because I feel like this is kind of where your, where your center of gravity kind of comes from is this experience with the monk that you had that it felt like in the book, it really changed a lot of things for you. It did change a lot of things for me. It's so interesting because I was just talking about how if we just pay attention to the people that we meet, there are life lessons, so many of them along the way. And I've been really blessed with this gift to be able to see those things happen, you know, throughout my life. And so, you know, one of the things is, you know, I stole as a child, as you know, and then I stopped stealing because of karma. And I felt like that was something I had to stop doing. And then things were stolen from me repeatedly throughout my life, even as an adult, which was crazy. Again, karma. So I always had this fear of people stealing either material things from me, my ideas, my my husband, my housekeeper, like everything. I was always paranoid. And my husband and I were renewing our vows and we had, um, I had these bracelets made for my two boys and my husband and um, we were in Aspen and I started getting that old, you know, feeling back of, you know, somebody's going to steal this and lock it in the safe and And I ended up stumbling into a museum and I met a monk and I was very intrigued with just his life. You know, the fact that they've given up all of their material things and they were making a mandala at the time, which I didn't even know what it was. It's a Sanskrit and they're beautiful. And I watched for hours and I ended up meeting this monk, Shenzhou, and I, we had a conversation. We opened up about uh, my fear because at the time I knew like there was a calling. This book was the calling. I didn't know what it was, but I kept feeling a pull from the universe. I call it, you know, a God shot. I kept feeling this, but I was really afraid to like step into myself. And he taught me about, and this is a constant thing. You don't learn this and then it's, oh, you know, I'm going to let go of attachments. This is something I work on every single day. I mean, even the book in itself, you know, the book launched and I was, I had all these expectations, you know, oh, this book is going to launch and people are going to grab onto it and they're going to love it. And It's not going to happen like that because I have to let go of the attachment of, you know, where is this going to land? Who's going to, who's going to love it? I have to know that, you know, God has a plan for me and it's going to land in all the right hands and that I just needed to write the book and to be vulnerable because we're all a part of this tapestry of mankind. And if I can share my vulnerability and my stories and, you know, what I've been through, then that gives you the permission to say, Hey, you know, I stole too, or I did some things I'm not proud of. And, you know, when we work through shame, like Brene Brown says, you know, that's that's real courage. And so, you know, Shenzhou helped me see to let go of attachments. It's so interesting because my son just called me the other day and guess what? He lost the bracelet. Oh, he was in Mexico and he wore it in the ocean and it came off. And, you know, normally I'd be like, oh, my God. Right. And it was like, that's cool. We got the memories. It's no biggie. Yeah. We'll make another one. We'll make another one. Well, that's what you say about this Mancala that he's making takes forever and you offer to buy it 
And he says, no, we're going to destroy it. And I can just yeah. hear you going like, what? Like I hear almost a record scratch, you know, like, what the hell are you talking about? You're going to destroy this. I mean, it was incredible. They worked on this for like five days straight and it was huge and it's beautiful. And they use graded sand and it's meticulous. And they have to learn how to do this for years before they're even allowed to make this mandala and then to destroy it. And But watching that process and understanding of letting go of its attachments for me was like watching that fear sort of dissipate in that moment for me. It was really, really beautiful. How did you learn to start trusting people after all the stuff that happened, all the stealing that happened early on? Did you feel like there was a turning point or a low point in your life, Jen, where things changed? No, my pistanthrophobia, fear of trusting people is alive and well. I still don't trust people. I still don't. I, I wish that I could say that I do, but I don't. There's always something in the back of me that's fearful. And I don't know if, you know, some some wounds can be reduced to a manageable size. I don't know if they fully go away. And I don't know if I'll ever trust anybody again, sadly. I think it's incredibly brave of you to talk about this. And I know that there's lots of people that listen to shows like ours, and they think that people like you are just magical and everything's perfect. And the fact that you were able to dig deep and tell this, and at the same time, help us look better and feel better at the same yeah. time without getting attached to it is fantastic. The book is called A Common Thread, Fashioned for the Soul, and it is available everywhere, I assume. It's available on Amazon. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble online. I also have an Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at Jen Principe Styles. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to link to that because you give tips on Instagram and we'll, we'll link to that in our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. I would be remiss. I got one more thing for you. Yeah. I want to talk about my nonprofit. That's exactly what I was bringing up. I'm so glad we're on the same page. Yes. Part of this is helping. T t talk about your nonprofit for a second because this is so badass. I love it. This is why I'm here. I mean, the book and the nonprofit are really, I think, why I'm here. 20% of the proceeds will go towards my nonprofit. It's called The Phoenix Effect. And it's about the story, metaphorically, of the phoenix that dives into the fire to be reborn. So about eight, nine years ago, I decided that I would take my God-given gift and I would be of service to those that suffer from life-debilitating diseases and trauma. And so I have a team and we go in and we curate a photo shoot sometimes at the tail end of people's lives, sometimes as they're just coming out of illness and getting better. And my job really is to introduce fashion, wardrobe, hair, makeup, and give them a day just to feel pampered and beautiful so that they can sort of come out of that illness, a newer version of themselves. And so it's called The Phoenix Effect. And I'm doing another one in like a couple of weeks. We're doing a foster child that's been in and out of foster care. Actually, somebody I can, oh. wasn't in foster care, but somebody I can kind of relate to because she was abused as well. So when you can combine your passion with service, I do believe you found your purpose. And so that is my, that's my purpose. That's fabulous. Jen, thanks so much for hanging out with us for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really had a great time. I'm Andy Dwyer. And when I'm not pulling suckers off my tomato plants in my garden, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Jen for stopping by and being brave enough to tell that story, OG, clearly a house when your relatives are stealing from you, when there's physical abuse, and you still end up uh, with the type of career she had. I think it just is proof for all of us that you can do this. You can survive. You can. You can do it. Superstar status. At what age, OG, did you realize that dressing more smartly, dressing smarter, dressing snappier was a key to success? Because I can 
think of mine like now. He says as he looks across the table and sees me in a Travis Matthew t-shirt and gym shorts. When did you learn not to do this? Because you used to have suits and ties, I know. Um, I'm in a marathon shirt of a marathon I ran like eight years ago. So, yeah. I was just hoping you would green screen yourself and all we would see would be your head. Would be me. Yeah. In this, in this neon green shirt. Yeah. Just, just a head. Um, I always was in charge of buying my own clothes when I was a kid because I had a job when I was 11. So anything I wanted beyond the, uh, family approved budget of my allotment of two pairs of JC Penny jeans and two shirts for school, I had to do on my own. So I was buying my own clothes when I was a kid, mostly because I wanted to be, you know, have the cool shoes or the Air Jordans or whatever, right? I had to, my dad, there's no way my dad was going to buy that crap. So I don't know if that's dressing smart, you know, so to speak, or paying attention, but I, but I did pay attention as early as high school. It wasn't until, you know, I started working at American Express where, you know, I got a couple suits and I distinctly remember sitting in a meeting. I was brand new. I was sitting in a meeting with the training person and another training person and and he were talking almost like I wasn't in the room because I was new and that's how they treated you. And I was sitting, just kind of sitting there and they're talking and they were talking about clothes and I kind of wanted to put my, wedge myself in there because I had this, uh, this nice suit on and they're talking about their clothier person, their, you know, their, uh, haberdasher and they said something like <laughs> like at least we don't have any of those like hagar wrinkle freeze or something <laughs> and i was like and i just kind of cowered because i know on the inside label of my suit it definitely said hagar wrinkle free <laughs> because i was like that makes it that's smart get a suit that doesn't wrinkle why wouldn't you get that if you're at jc Penney's? you know it's 199 dollars or whatever it was so so I don't know if that's smart or snobbery at that point where I finally realized that Hagar wrinkle freeze maybe weren't the uh, the pinnacle of the uh, Savile Row, you know, suit uh, manufacturing place. <laughs> They're like, well, sir, right here in this ha- in this haberdashery, sir, we have Hagar wrinkle freeze. <laughs> you know? like, uh, well, I sat in an office all day as a new advisor like you, and I... Uh, went to pay less shoes because why spend a ton of money on shoes if I'm just in this office? So I, you know, my suit was middle of the road was okay, but I wore these shoes that, that I'm like, I don't want to keep shining my shoes. So I had those ones with the plastic shine on it. Right. The, yeah. the, the like pre plastic shine. Yes. And I finally, I remember I got a big paycheck and I went and I bought some nice floor shine shoes and, uh, and shine them up. And I'm walking down the hall, OG, the very first day I had my new shoes. And three people said, oh, I'm so glad you got rid of those plastic shoes. Like nobody, (laughs) nobody tells you when you look like crap. Everybody tells you after, right? Afterwards, like, oh, love those shoes. Those other shoes you had sucked. So yeah, you think people aren't looking, but they, but they truly are. What's the part of your attire that people will notice the most, do you think? I don't know. She, yeah, we didn't, yeah, we didn't go there. Well, they say women notice shoes immediately, that that's the first thing that they spot. Yeah. I don't know if back, maybe that's true for everybody, but I've heard that women spot shoes. The back it's of true your for shoes. Hannibal Lecter. It was true for Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Yeah. The, the back, back of, of your, your shoes. shoes. Yep. The back. Yeah. The scuffs yeah. on the back. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. pay attention. Don't don't just make the tops all shiny. And you know what's funny? I learned all that in military school, and then I promptly forgot it when I got into the working world, and then I had to re-remember that. Yeah. But who just shines the front of their shoes? If you're going to sit uh, down and make your shoes look better, you do the whole damn shoe. I, 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 I hear you. But if you were going to skip a part, you might skip the back. Don't skip that. Yes. It can't be just business in the front and party in the back when it comes to your <laughs> shoes. It can't be. Got to get the whole shoe up to business. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency OG, they put what you value first. I've been trying these new cocoa espresso pods with a little uh, little latte. It's like a cocoa latte. It's, uh, it's That's what you dreamy. value most? The most. Whole latte cocoa? Is. It's yeah. that little joy in life on a random Wednesday, right? That just makes the spark. Well, that's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple so you can spend more time with your cocoa latte. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now. You'll get a free quote. Their application is simple. It's online. You'll get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Today, we're going to uh, say hello to Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Got a quick one for you. I'm a landscaper and a contractor with some rental properties. I'm just wondering what you would take into account when I'm trying to move from two trucks to one truck. One's currently owned by my business and one's mine personally. Got two little kids, so it needs to have a full cab. Looking at the tax incentives, looking at the depreciation, mileage, all these types of things. Any insight would help. Hey, Dougie, I got your t-shirt. It's the worst caller we've ever had. <laughs> I hate this guy. We we have to we have to make that a clip, OG. That's gotta be a clip. Hey Dougie. Hey Dougie. Got your t-shirt. <laughs> we are sending it out to you, Joe. We're sending it out to you. But this is interesting, OG. He needs a work truck, but also something for the family. So this this church and state, right? I mean, you've got these business write-offs that you can do with your work truck, can't do with a home thing. What are some things you should be thinking about? Is he going from two to one? Is that what he's doing? He's downsizing? He's, he is. He's going from two to one. Yeah. Two to one. Yeah. If you use it for work or a, a significant amount of your time is for work and you got to talk to your CPA about this, you can you know write off a number of things. You can depreciate it. You can expense the mileage and that sort of thing, but you have to have really good records all the time. You can't just kind of sort of be like, eh, pretty sure I drove it a lot for work this year. So give me some money. Really good records all the time. There's a great app for that. It's called Mile IQ. You can also do it in QuickBooks. It's just kind of a background app that keeps track of every time you drive. The downside is, is that it requires some pretty good maintenance to, to like keep up with it. Because if you take Ubers or public transportation or something like that, it'll be like, hey, you drove from this place to this place. And it's like, oh, yeah, shoot, that was on a bus. You know, you have to delete it, that sort of thing. But it'll help keep track of it. If you were looking at just what's good for the family and that sort of thing, I think, honestly, in today's day and age, you're going to be lucky to find whatever it is that you're going to find. I had my car in for service the other day, and I noticed that there was probably, I would bet, less than 50 brand new cars on the lot. Maybe maybe it was less than 30. Yeah, still well behind the the curve in terms of supply chain right now. Car lots right now looking like uh, empty parking lots, like store empty parking lots. Yeah, 
And if you get out of major cities and get to more rural areas or like where I am, there are no new cars. The whole, you know, where their marquee spots are along the road, it's all used vehicles, especially the trucks. They're all used. And I guess my question would be, why are you, I mean, when he says new, he might not mean new, new. He might mean new to him. New to him. But But still, um, used car people know what they've got now, OG. I mean, used car people totally know what they got. The price of used cars now is all jacked up. If you got a used car notch that price up because people are going to pay it. Yeah. Which is kind of what I'm thinking here. You know, if you've got two and let's, I don't know, maybe one of them works for the family and for the job, why not sell the other one, take advantage of the high uh, used car prices right now, you'll get a good sale price and uh, just kind of bank that money. Wait until that inventory comes back a little bit. If you can make do, you know, if you can't, you're like, well, you know, I'm going from no kids to two kids. I need space, you know, that sort of thing. That's a different deal. But I would say if you can make it work, now is not the time you want to be buying brand new cars Hmm. or used cars, any cars for that matter. You want to be selling cars right now if you can do it. And if you get two and you're trying to get to one, I maybe try to figure out how to keep the one that makes the most sense in the family and then offload the other one, make a few bucks. And I'm thinking, Joe, if you've got a nice uh, bicycle, sell them both. Just bike everywhere because you'll make a ton of money. No? That might might be a little bit restrictive maybe, on his landscaping business. Maybe a little far. Well, you've seen those little, you've seen those little uh, wagons you can carry behind it. I mean, think of what his calves are going to look like after this. Good workout. Let the kids pedal from time to time. No. Why does anybody call in looking for our advice? I, I don't know. I think OG gave him fantastic advice. Then you and I open our mouths and we screw it all up. <laughs> there, there it went. Yeah. I, I mean, what's the chance, OG, that this is not a bubble in the car market? That this is just the reality going forward forever? Yeah. It's just there's no more new cars ever. Like, what's yes. the chances of that? <laughs> I mean, you've seen the you've seen the aerial photos of, in particular, it's Fords, where they've got, you know, like a bajillion car. I don't even yeah, thousands of cars waiting on um, uh, chips, semiconductor sir. chips. You yeah. know what I mean? So I bought a car a year ago and they just installed the chip that was supposed to be in it from when they, you know, built the car last March. So, I mean, it's happening, you know, they're getting to it, but it's, it's a ways away. So if you can avoid spending money on cars right now, you're probably going to be pretty happy. Thanks for the question, Joe. Hey, if you've got a question for us and you want to wave your t-shirt in, uh, in Doug's face, head to stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. And you too uh, can get the Haven Life shirt. That's not the reason to call in. We just like to say thank you for being brave enough to call in. And uh, seemed like it was Joe's only reason for calling in. I think that was a BS question. I think that was a great question, man. It was a fantastic. No, I, don't, question. I mean, my guess is he's already figured that out. He didn't really need our answer than that. To that, <laughs> he, he just, just wanted. He to just wants a shirt. That's it. The double tall. And he doesn't boys. even care about the shirt. That's exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, com slash voicemail to get there. All right. Let's talk about the community and things going on. Uh, Joe, obviously a great member of our community calling in and helping us make this show. Uh, you can hang out with us later on today at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. I will be on Instagram. And a lot of times we'll have a fintech creator talking about some of the new cool apps on your phone or on your computer. Uh, We'll also talk about some headlines that are up to the moment and we weren't able to put it on the show. Uh, And we also just kind of hang out and talk to stackers. So if you want to hang out, then that's great. Also with the 201, if you're somebody who's referred other people to 201, you 
know that we have a referral program and people in the 201 about halfway down to sign up for the referral program. You'll see all about that. But for referrers that met the qualifications, we're doing a happy hour on Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 p.m. Pacific. I love the people who are going to do happy hour with us at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. They're gamers. So, <laughs> referrers happy hour on Friday. Hope you can join us. And of course, last but not least, if you're not here for happy hour, you're not here to watch Doug get frustrated as another person goes home with a t-shirt. <laughs> You're here because recession fears are ramping up. And if you're feeling anxious about making moves with your finances, what I'd like you to do instead is check out this free guide OG and his team put together that'll help you plan more and panic less, no matter what the market does. It's got some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so that you make financial decisions your future self is going to thank you for. Head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. And you'll get that free guide from OG. Thanks, OG. That's going to do it for today. Uh, Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, even the people who look perfect don't necessarily have the perfect life or come from perfect circumstances. If they can do it, you can too, no matter how rough life has been up until now. Second, fashion is about expressing who you are on the inside, outside. It doesn't necessarily have to cost you a lot to do it either. Start with the basics and you'll both look and feel like a million bucks. But the big lesson, these Velcro shoes are coming back in style, damn it, if it's the last thing I do. Joe, take my pick for Instagram. This will get it going. Thanks to Jen Principe for joining us today. Follow her and learn about her styling services at jpstyles.com. This show is the property of SP Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest Podcast. Brooke Miller is our producer today and our amazing newsletter editor of The 201. You'll find The 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. Uh, speaking of community, we often have people say hello to us on Twitter and uh, OG, you and I had listener Corey who said, who said not only hello, he pointed out a piece that hit the internets hard last week. This is from Bloomberg. Ashley Carmen wrote it. People will confess all sorts of things to podcasters from their unpopular political beliefs or embarrassing romantic mishaps to their worst fears. But there's one revelation certain guests will never disclose, namely that they're paying thousands of dollars just to be interviewed on the show. And so Corey wrote, he's like, well, clearly Joe and OG are mopping up with all the great guests that we have. So I want to I want to chat a little bit about making the show because, oh, gee, this has been a thing for some time. And I've seen uh, podcasters go, no, 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 no. We are going to, uh, yeah, we're going to charge for you to come on our show. And if you want to be on our show in front of our audience, you have to pay me some money. Huh. Yeah. I took some advice from Jordan Harbinger a long time ago. Of course, Jordan is a guy that I've said over and over is a friend of ours. He's even advertised his uh, award-winning show on our show But Jordan's been a huge mentor of mine and a piece of advice Jordan gave to me that I will give to other podcasters right now is this. The only person you owe anything to in this podcasting business is the person who is listening to you. So selling your audience is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And if I put my audience member up for sale, It just ruins this whole relationship that I feel like we have with our audience. And um, I don't know. It just, it's, it's a trend that even when it started, I remember being in one of these, oh, gee, these senseless fights on the internet about, about really, really, we're going to now charge people to be on the show. We're going to have guests on that we believe in and that we like, and we think that you should, uh, you should listen to. So, Yeah. What'd you think about that when you read it, Doug? Because this morning you also sent it to us. You didn't know that Corey had already sent it to us right. yesterday, but you sent it to us. What did you think? Would you think, hey, we're missing out on an opportunity? Yeah, I did. I actually thought <laughs> we're missing out on this. I think there's a way to do it. I No, I mean, I'm not being funny either. I think we're, we could be missing out on something. I mean, every podcaster, unless you're Joe Rogan or Adam Carolla, every podcaster is you know operating on a shoestring budget. And I think there's a way to do it and still maintain some objectivity. If we want to keep on producing high, not we, like the podcasting community, if you want to keep creating high quality shows, it might not be bad to find another revenue stream. I mean, news organizations do it right now. I mean, forever, they didn't pay for content, but they pay a little bit for content. Not every time, not every story, but they'll pay for footage, you know, video footage, or they, they will pay for some stories occasionally. So it's not like nobody else you know, that, that news organizations are completely objective and impartial. There was somebody in the article that, that basically said, I don't remember who it was, but basically said that they charged something. I don't remember the dollar amount. It was the headline is $50,000. It was some number less than that. A thousand bucks or hundred dollars per thousand listeners. No, 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 no. This was a one-time deal. But anyways, it was a couple, a couple thousand bucks that this person said that they charged and the rationale that they had was the person shows up on time and the person is prepared. Yep. And they're really providing a lot of value because they pay to do yeah, it. Yeah, but I'll tell you how that works for us. If we have a quality product 
with a sizable audience, they're going to, they're going to show up <laughs> like they, they, our guests show up. Like we don't get stood up. We don't have guests that aren't prepared, but they know that it's because we have a quality well, product and a sizable audience that they want to be in front of. Like they do. Like if I've got a small piece of, which kind of sort of supports Doug's argument, right? <laughs> it's like the way, if we have all of those things, then gimme, gimme, gimme. I don't want to, if I listen to a podcast and it is not fully disclosed that this is an affiliate link or this is a payola thing and and this person paid to be in front of the audience i would be pissed i would be i listen to a lot of podcasts i'd be so pissed if i'm like these these money grubbing a holes are taking cash for this hmm. instead of doing what they had a promise i feel like our only pact is with the stackers out there and i think there's plenty of other there's plenty of other income streams. There's plenty of other problem income is, streams. is that we're going to have a, after the, we're done recording, we're going to have to talk to Doug about the fact that we've been making him pay. <laughs> well, no, we'll just talk to him about that 33% layoff. I think a, a couple of things are just kind of <clears throat> three, two, one. <clears throat> Four, five, six. <laughs> Never done that before, but that's that we're pretty good. I got I got smirks out of both of you guys. So it's clever. <clears throat> Once in a lifetime. Seven, eight, nine. It would have been better if I went backwards. Six, five, four. Ten, eleven, twelve. Oh my God! Say something. Three, two. Forty-two. Hi. Say Omaha. Blue nineteen. <laughs> Omaha. Say Omaha. Omaha. Say huh? <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.